We're continuing to look at the life, or not the life, rather, but the witness uh, of Simeon as um, as he comes to uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the temple. Uh, we've read this passage now for three weeks, four weeks, and we're going to read it again. We're going to pull out actually the last thing he says, uh, which gives us some really challenging words. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to look at verse 23. We're going to deal with this week and next week, uh, kind of the, the last part. We, we talked in the previous weeks, uh, 29 through 32, we talked about dismissing your servant in peace. Last week we talked about 32, a light for revelation for the, to the Gentiles and the glory for your uh, of your people Israel and how you know God's not done with Israel yet and he's going to continue to work on them. Then we come to this last part, and it says in 33 uh, that the child's mother, father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon gives this final statement. I want to handle 33 this morning, and then it's all kind of part of one passage, but I want to handle 33 this morning, and then I want to get into 34 uh, and following uh, next week. So if you have your sermon outline, let's start with the response to Simeon's words. And the, what the response was is that they marveled at Jesus. They marveled at Jesus. So as you look at verse 33, now I just said in the previous couple sermons, we've talked about 29, 30, 31, and 32, and the amazing things, you know, he, he talks about all these different things concerning what this child's going to bring about. And then Simeon, having given those prophecies, he then, then the response of the child's mother and father, remember these are two people who have already seen angels come and give them messages. They've already seen amazing things happen uh, in other regards with the, the shepherds coming on the, the night of Jesus' birth and all that. And yet, even in this moment, after there's more revelation to them about what's going to happen through Jesus, in 33 it says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then they go on from there, and Simeon has that last statement. But I want to focus this morning on that one word. The child's mother and father marveled at what was said about him. I want to focus there, and I want to look, um, actually, if, if still in chapter 2, as you look back at verse 18, 
Luke 2, 18. It, it's there talking about a little earlier in the story in the shepherds. And it says, actually I'll read 17 also. When they had seen him, they, this is the shepherds. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The word amazed there in the Greek, uh, the original Greek of the New Testament, is the same word that's translated marveled over in verse 33. So throughout this, this um, story, we have people marveling at what's being said about Jesus. And so that got me to thinking with that word, the, the Greek word that's translated marveled and, and amazed, where else in the book of Luke does that show up? What other things that they marvel about, about Jesus? I want to talk about three things that, that we find there. And then I want to go over after that and talk about two of the things that the Bible tells us that Jesus marveled at with regard to our lives and how we should be living. So let's talk about three things that, um, that, that uh, they marveled at concerning Jesus. Look at me first, look with me, uh, first of all, over in Luke chapter 8. In Luke 8, I want to look there for just a moment. In Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 25. Luke 8, 25. This is the story of Jesus calming the storm. And it says in Luke 8, 25, Jesus uh, having calmed the storm, he says, where is your faith, he asked his disciples, in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. So Jesus has the ability to calm the storm. Now, you know, I have the ability, so we were out shopping uh, the other day, and yeah, I think it was yesterday, and it was raining. I have the ability to run to the car and get an umbrella so my wife doesn't get wet on the way to the car. That's my superpower. Isn't that amazing? It's not really that amazing, is it? Jesus had the ability. He could have just stopped outside and said, yeah, rain stop, and it would have stopped. That's some pretty serious power, don't you think? And so Jesus comes along, and he's out there in that situation, and Jesus calms the storm, and justifiably, it says right after that, first he chastises their faith, we'll get into that a little bit later, but it says that the disciples in the second half of 25, it says, in fear and amazement. Here's the same Greek word again, showing up. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Sometimes I think in our own lives, we kind of take over, and we, and we want to control everything, and we want to try to fix everything, and we're in that situation where we're trying to bring everything together, and we need to remember when we're in those situations that begin to overwhelm us, we serve a Savior with power. We serve a Savior that we can bring our prayer requests to and believe that he can do greater things than we can do, and so we come believing that Jesus has power, and we shouldn't just come to him and be like, well, I hope you can do something, but here the power of Jesus causes the disciples around him to be amazed. Are we amazed at the power of Jesus? We should be, because Jesus has that kind of power. But not only that kind of power, flip over with me to Luke chapter 11. Uh, there's a different kind of power that he had too, before we go on to the, to the next point. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 14, we first saw that Jesus had power over nature. But in Luke 11... 14, and that same word's going to show up again. It says, Luke eleven fourteen. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd 
was amazed. So not only did Jesus have power over nature, he also had power over demons and over his demonic enemy. And so here, there, there's a man, and we see it over and over again, where there's somebody who is demon-possessed, and Jesus casts the, the demon out. And again and again, it happens like we see here, where it says that the crowd was amazed. You know, the religious leaders of the time couldn't really do anything with those situations. And here Jesus comes along and he just speaks the word, because Jesus had power over his demonic enemy. And as we think about the struggles that we go through, and sometimes we're tempted by our enemy, and we struggle within that, and we need to remember, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Greater is Jesus than the power of the enemy around us. And so we need to step forward and not just say, well, yeah, I, kinda, I know Jesus has some power. We need to be like the disciples and like the crowd there. We need to be amazed at the power of Jesus Christ. But then... We see another thing that they were amazed at. Look in Luke chapter 20 with me. We're going to look all over Luke today. So keep, keep flipping around with me. Luke chapter 20 and, and verse 26. Luke 20, 26. Not only do we read in the gospel that they were amazed at his power, we also read that they were amazed at his wisdom. The second thing is they were amazed at his wisdom. So Jesus here is talking, and they're trying to set a trap for Jesus, and they're using the, uh, it's, the it's two of the, the groups that are coming together, and they're, they're asking Jesus if it's okay to pay uh, taxes to Caesar or not, and the plan that they have is, well, if he gives one answer, then one of the groups is going to go and do something. If he gives the opposite answer, then uh, the other group is going to go do that. So they're sure that they've trapped him. And in Luke uh, chapter 20 and verse 26, after, in verse 25, Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. God's. It's a great answer, and Jesus has, has eluded their trap. And 26 tells us, they were unable to trap him in what he said there in public. And astonished by his answer, they became silent. The word astonished there is the same Greek word that's uh, translated amazed and marveled in other places. Here it has more of that sense of, of astonishment over how wise Jesus was and his ability to, to elude their trap. And when we think about how, how wise Jesus is, we need to remember that as we, um, as we go forward through life, there's a lot of people that will say, okay, do you, Ollie, do you believe in I, I think Jesus is great. I believe in him. Are you going to do what he said? Uh, no, I'm going I'm to run my own life. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make my own decisions. Here's what that translates out to, and I don't mean to be rude, but it, it kind of is going to come across that way. When we say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to do what Jesus says, what we're saying is, I believe in Jesus, but I think he was stupid. That's what we're saying, isn't it? Because, okay, I believe in him, but I'm not going to obey his commands. I'm not going to live the way he told me to. I'm not going to follow what he said to do, because I don't think Jesus is wise. If Jesus was wise, then I would want to do what he said, right? I mean, that would make sense. If Jesus is wise, I should want to get everything that he said in and try to follow him. That would make sense, right? But if I say I want to believe in Jesus but not follow him, then I don't think that he was wise. Here he gives this answer in the midst. They were so sure that they had him. And he gives an answer, and as it says, they were astonished at the answer because he had eluded them. They were amazed at that. You know what? I believe this morning that Jesus Christ is the wisest human being who has ever lived. And therefore, I don't just want to know about him. I want to follow him. I want to get as much of what he said into my life because I know I'm not that smart. 
And so I want what Jesus has to say to come into my life because I believe Jesus is the wisest person to ever live. That leads us to the third thing that they were amazed at, and that's over in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And verse 12. Luke 24 and verse 12. It says there, we're now over into the resurrection of Christ. And it says in Luke 24, 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen that had been around Jesus lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The third thing is that they marveled at his resurrection. They marveled at his resurrection. So we see the same word here, and it's translated wondered, and it kind of has that sense of awe. They, he was amazed at what had happened. He was wondering. It was, it was a sense of amazement in the sense of, like, I can't comprehend this. This is bigger than me. And so they translate it here wondering because he, he doesn't really have anything to, to put it on. He hasn't fully conceived yet that Jesus Christ is, in fact, resurrected. He's just overwhelmed by it. But as you go down to uh, Luke 24 and verse 41, Luke 24, 41, Jesus has now appeared to them. And in Luke 24, 41, it says, And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Even after they see Jesus, they're so overwhelmed by the thought that he's alive again that they are just full of joy and amazement, which makes sense. If, if there was somebody that I did a funeral for a, a couple of months ago, if I'm leaving church this morning, if I'm walking home and I see that person walking down the street to me, I'm going to be filled with joy and also amazement. You were dead. How can you be alive again? Guess what? Jesus was dead, and then he was alive again through the power of God raising him up. And so they were justifiably amazed at the resurrection of Jesus. And we should be amazed as well as we think of all that Jesus, all the power of God that came into Jesus' life to resurrect him from the dead. We too should be amazed. So as we look at this, we see these three things, the power that Jesus had, the wisdom that he had, and his resurrection. And those are all three reasons that we should be amazed at what Jesus can do. But then I want to ask a question um, that is some, in some ways even a little more interesting, because that kind of has to do with what we're going to look toward Jesus at. Do we believe that Jesus has amazing power? And so therefore I'm going to trust him when I'm lacking in power. Do I believe that Jesus has amazing wisdom? So when I'm lacking in certain about what to do, I'm going to ask him. Do I believe that Jesus has the power of resurrection so that as I look at the end of my life or the end of somebody that I love who trusts Christ, that I have hope beyond the grave? But there's a couple passages, some in Luke, and we're going to look at a little passage in Mark, where it says that Jesus was amazed. And that's kind of a, an odd phrase there because you kind of think, well, you know, Jesus knows what's going on. And, and yet there were times where as he was interacting with people, Things that they did, and we're going to talk about one negative, and we're going to talk about one positive, where Jesus saw the response of different people, and he was amazed at what he said, or what they said. So let's look at those. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4 and talk about Jesus being amazed. And the way that I, I think this is important this morning as we understand it 
is, is to take this in and then say, okay, am I exhibiting these characteristics that amaze Jesus, either negatively, in which case I need to change, or positively, in which case I need, I need to be encouraged. And so in Luke chapter 4, in verse 22, this is early in his ministry. He's in his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, he's given his mission statement there in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, talking about the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And then in verse 22, it says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Let me give you the point, and then I want to draw something else out. Marveled, marveling by Jesus. Jesus marveled at his hometown's lack of faith. Jesus marveled at his hometown's lack of faith. So they hear Jesus speaking. This is early in his ministry, so they don't have a lot of uh, uh, room yet to kind of figure out what's going on. And they respond here initially with amazement. They're like, where did this come from? We, we know this guy from, from along all these years. Where did this, uh, this wisdom come from? Where did these statements come from? They, verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And so initially there's amazement. There's that word again, amazing. The, the same Greek word is shown up there. And initially they're amazed at that, and so they kind of see Jesus and they're impressed. Does that translate over into them believing in Jesus? Well, I put this, we can flip back to Mark chapter 6, but I just put it in your outline. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 6, there's a passage that has to do with Jesus being in Nazareth. And as he interacts with them, the passage says this, and Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. So they went from here where they hear Jesus speaking for the first time and, and they're amazed by it. Wow, I, where did this come from? But then as Jesus continues to do what he does, as they think more and more about it, they're like, ah, I don't know. This is just, I mean, this is just Jesus. This is Joseph's son. I mean, should we really believe in him that much? And they end up, rather than believing him and trusting him and being followers of his, as it says there in Mark 6, 6, they end up not believing him. They have a lack of faith. There's a lot of people who maybe they come to church sometimes and maybe they have, oh, you know, I, I like the Bible. The Bible's nice. And, and they have some familiarity with Jesus. But it never translates over into obedience to Jesus. It never translates over into, I'm, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to, I believe in him, and I, I want all of his wisdom in my life. I want his power in my life. And so I'm going to be a disciple of his. I'm going to be a follower of his. They, they see Jesus, and even they're, maybe they're even amazed at a few things, like Nazareth was originally. But it never translates over into a faith that follows Jesus. And that is a cutting statement that you read there in your sermon outline. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Why would he be amazed at it? Because they had every reason to believe. He had given them all these proofs. They had every reason to trust in him and to believe in him. And yet they didn't. And it just strikes me. Wouldn't it be horrible to, to stand before Jesus someday in judgment and have him not just say, okay, you didn't have faith in me. 
I know that you didn't believe in me, and, and so I recognize that. But to have him look at us and say, okay, you saw this happen, and you saw how I guided you here, and you saw what I did here, and you saw what I did in Bill Cook's life over here, and the preacher gave this example of how he had moved in his life, and you saw all those things, and yet you never chose to have faith in me. And to have Jesus look at us and say, I am amazed at your lack of faith. What a, what a cutting statement um, that he makes there. And I, I wonder if there are some of us that look at our lives and, and we have seen God moving in, in the people around us and we felt the Holy Spirit before in the sanctuary and we, we thought about coming forward to get saved or, or, or to rededicate and yet we, we don't do that and, and we're facing, we're on a track for all that God has poured into our lives that someday we're going to stand before Jesus and go, all that? I gave you all those examples. I gave you all. And you never walked with me? I am amazed at your life. Look with me also in Luke uh, chapter 7 and verse 9. There's a, a corollary to this. Luke chapter 7 and verse 9. This is the story of the centurion. So there's this Roman centurion um, who, who comes to Jesus asking for a healing for his servant. And in Romans 7 and verse 9, at the end of the passage, we, we need to read what's ahead there. So Jesus, um, the, the, the centurion says, just say the word. The, the servant was way far off. The, the, the centurion says, just say the word because I'm a man who has authority. And when I say go, the person goes. And when I say come, the person comes. And I believe, he's, I'm paraphrasing, and he says, I believe if you say to that, that sickness, go, it's going to go, because I believe you're a man of authority as well. And I love, this is so great. Verse Luke 7, 9. When Jesus heard this, he was what? Amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, get this, get this. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The last thing this morning is Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. So here we have the opposite example. Nazareth should have had faith and didn't. Here we have the Roman who really doesn't. I mean, he's not even a Jewish person. Why would he believe in this Jewish healer, this Jewish teacher? And yet he comes to Jesus and he believes that Jesus has authority and I want you, so over here a second ago, we pictured that negative example. How horrible it would be to, to stand before God someday, to stand before Jesus someday and him say, I gave you so many reasons to believe. How could you not have faith and for him to be amazed at that? The other example is here. And let's pick, paint a, a better picture. So what if I believed in the power of Jesus? Going back to what we talked about earlier. What if I didn't just believe he had power 2,000 years ago, but as I step out in my life, I believe he had power today. What, what if I believe he didn't just have wisdom 2,000 years ago, but I try to obey what he says today because I believe that his wisdom is true? What if I put my faith in his resurrection so that even facing something as horrible as death, I have that confidence in who Jesus is? And so I go forward, not just saying that I believe it, but I'm willing to put my life on the line. I'm willing to live my life following Jesus because I believe that he is who he said he is. 
And then, verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. I, I don't know how this works exactly, but can, can you imagine living your life that way, of stepping out and believing in Christ in that way, and, and then someday seeing God do amazing things in your life, and then someday standing before God, standing before Jesus, and him saying, the faith, you, the number of times that I watched you down there in Madison, and I saw how you stepped out where no one else would step out. I saw where you had faith, where no one else would have faith. I have to tell you, your faith amazed me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus saying that our faith amazed me? And yet, you think it's impossible, but here it is. The centurion has faith that it says there, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. There's a way that we can live our lives that when we stand before Jesus someday, that he might look at us and say, your faith amazes me. Uh, about 150 years ago, there was a, um, a man named, his last name was Otis. And um, he was, uh, at that point, buildings couldn't be particularly high for a number of reasons. One of them was elevators were not very good back then. And this man whose last name was Otis developed a, a system of braking to where even if the elevator was up high, if something happened and the cord broke, it would, there would be an automatic brake and it would stop. But people didn't want to buy it. And so he went to this big, uh, like a World's Fair kind of a thing, and, and he set up this demonstration. And every hour on the hour, he would get up on this platform that was three or four stories high, and the, the, the platform would be tied to a rope that went over. And he would gather a bunch of people around and he would say, ladies and gentlemen, I've developed a braking system for elevators, and I have so much faith in it that I'm going to have my assistant cut the rope that is holding this, and he's up three or four stories, that's holding this platform, and I believe that everything's going to be okay. Everybody would watch. The man would cut the, um, the rope, and the thing would start to fall, and it would almost immediately break. Otis today, and I don't know what percentage of the elevators you get in, even today, it's right there on there. And it started with one man who had so much faith in his invention that he was willing to risk his life to stand up there and to believe that his invention was going to work. That's faith. Jesus here wants us to have faith to put our lives in his hands and believe that he's going to come through for us, that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to be there for us. And we have the possibility of standing before him someday and him saying, your faith amazes me. Father, we thank you for all the, the marvels and the amazement in this passage and in these passages. And we pray, Father, this morning that we may live the life of the centurion and not the life of Nazareth. May we be amazed at the power, the wisdom, and the resurrection of Jesus, and may we live a life of faith that amazes the Savior. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.